This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey, hikers. Bird Shooter here. And tonight on the show, I speak with Brian Anderson, also known as the Tick Terminator. He's on the show tonight to educate us on likely your biggest danger in the backcountry, blood-sucking ticks. If you live east of the Mississippi, pay close attention. We discuss the tick life cycle, when and where they are most likely to find you, how to prevent ticks, and what to do if you find one embedded in your skin. This discussion hit home for me personally. I had Rocky Mountain spotted fever in the past. I spent two days in the hospital and three months trying to beat it. So we talk about that and about Lyme disease, which is another common and actually more dangerous tick-borne illness in the U.S. So if you live in the eastern United States and enjoy hiking and backpacking, this is a show you can't miss. Here's episode 94. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bird Shooter, and I'd like to welcome Brian Anderson to the show this evening. Brian is known as the Tick Terminator and is on the show tonight to tell us what you may already know, that ticks could be the biggest danger you face in the backcountry, especially on the East Coast. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Or should I call you Bird Shooter? I mean, uh, either or, right? It's your preference, whatever you're most comfortable with. <laughs> Steve is easier to say, so I'll probably call you Steve. Yeah, that if I met you on a trail, I'd call you a bird shooter. How yeah, that? perfect. That's probably usually how it goes. So, hey, quick question yeah. for you. So you live in the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. One thing that I um, didn't realize till we were swapping emails, you're actually on Central Time, correct? Correct, yes. So I did not realize that the UP was on Central Time, though. How, how does the time zones work in Michigan? I thought it was almost <laughs> entirely Eastern Time. You're correct. The only place that Central Time is in the Upper Peninsula of the, of the counties that touch Wisconsin. Hmm. So there's only like about four of us counties that touch Wisconsin. All the rest of the UP is on Eastern Time. You know, it totally makes sense to me. But uh, until <laughs> until we had this dialogue going, I did not know that there was Central Time in Michigan. So you enlightened me. Yep, that's it. Just a few of us UPers here. All the rest of us. Uh, are on Eastern time. I mean, I, I, I live with here so long that I just, you, you live with it. You just, you know, you know, knock an hour off or gain it or whatever, you know, when you're traveling someplace, you just know it. Yeah. And for the record, I have uh, done some backpacking in the uh, UP. I thought it was super cool. Lots of lakes. Um, but man, yeah. one thing, and I know this is the topic of our discussion tonight, it's a short summer and boy, the bugs come out in force in the warmer months. Right. And I know we're going to talk about oh. ticks. But uh, that was my experience. I couldn't believe the mosquitoes. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. We were in the UP in July, camping near a lake, and wow, yeah, it was legit. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. The black flies in the spring are really bad too for a few weeks. Uh, oh, they're yeah. miserable. We've got a cabin in Canada, a little north of where you are, but um, yeah, the black flies are they will drive you crazy. Oh. You have to wear a head net. I mean, that's the only way you can fight them. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, so Tick Terminator, tell us uh, why you are the Tick Terminator, what you do, uh, you know, can you, can you give us some background on yourself? Yeah, actually, I mean, a lot of people say, well, how in the heck did you ever become the Tick Terminator? 
Well, I tell people, you got to be a little weird. You got to be a little crazy. You got to have kind of a God-given mission, you know, of this whole thing. Uh, like a lot of people, it kind of started when I was a kid. Um, I was born in Upper Michigan. Then we moved downstate because my dad was a cop. And during those growing up years, we would come up to the UP and visit my grandparents up in Iron Mountain area in the UP. And during that time, uh, they, ha they had ticks here. Back where I lived downstate, we didn't have ticks. So to a little kid, uh, to a little boy especially, you know, myself and maybe my brothers, but they were kind of fascinating because there was a little bug that stuck on you. You didn't even know they were there because, they're I mean, they're so secretive. And then at night, you know, uh, before you go to bed, your little five-year-old kid, you know, Mama say, okay, strip down. So we strip down and nothing but a smile. Mama come in there and, and do a tick check on us, which is very important during tick season to do tick checks every day. And she'd find us on us a couple times. She'd pull them off, and we never had any problems with them, ever. It was just kind of a nuisance. Were, were, were these the bigger ticks, though? And that was a question I had for you because there's a big difference between the big and the little ones. The smaller ones are the ones that actually carry the majority of the tick-borne illnesses, right? Well, they get the reputation for that because, I mean, these are the bigger ones. I don't even remember smaller ones on us because uh, they're so small sometimes you can't even see them. But what they say is the smaller ones are so small you don't hardly notice them. And because of that, you can get bit with them and, and you don't take them off. of You know, you don't notice them when you're doing a tick check sometimes. Right. So uh, they're responsible for about 70% of the illnesses that we get just because of we miss them is, is the big thing. Yeah. So uh, – that, that's kind of how it is because ticks, I'll give you a brief light, a, a life cycle of them. Ticks are born in the summer, okay? A female gives birth anywhere between 1,000 to 5,000 eggs at a time. Man. All right? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's way too many. Anyways, after a couple of weeks, they break out of that egg, and then they're, then they're hungry, obviously, like a newborn baby. So they're looking around. They're on the forest floor, obviously. So they're looking around for something really small. They get onto it. And, it's, and normally in our area, in the northern parts, it's going to be a white-footed mouse. They jump on that white-footed mouse, or they crawl onto it, and uh, they start sucking the blood out of it. They're usually on there for a couple days. Now, the germs or the pathogens from that white-footed mouse is what gives them a tick-borne disease. They're not born with any diseases. They get it from their normally their first host. Hmm. Okay? Okay. Now, they, they stay on that a couple of days, and they drop off after they're full and fat and sassy, you know, and then they just kind of veg out for that rest of summer, fall, and they do pretty much uh, nothing. <laughs> you know, they only eat one time a year anyways. So they get off, and they and that, that, that fall and winter, they're molting into the next series, uh, which they come out, they're, they're born as, as a, you know, an egg and a larva. And then that fall and winter and next spring, they come out as a nip tick, which is the size of a poppy seed. I mean, think about how small it is. Yeah, I've actually, I, know, I know exactly what, you've seen, what you're talking about because I've seen them before, and they're amazingly small, right? I mean, you almost can't exactly, really notice yeah. yeah. Well, So yeah. You, you, you mentioned, though, the fall and the winter. I mean, are you generally fairly safe? And I guess it depends on where you live. If you're in Georgia, that's very different than being in Michigan. Are you fairly oh, yeah. safe? Are you fairly safe in the winter up north? Yes. Okay. Yep. Can you can you give me some timelines of, you know, I think, and I obviously have ticks everywhere, but let's talk East Coast for a second because it seems like ticks are a bigger problem on the East Coast than the West. Um, when when yep. do you need to be on high alert? Um, Midwest, Northeast, Southeast, Southeast probably always, but can you comment on that? Absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, it's pretty much when the snow is gone. The snow is a wonderful insulator. And uh, ticks, what, what they do, you know, like I was telling the little one there, they dive down under the leaf litter. The snow comes over. Snow is a great insulator. So then they kind of veg out for there for the wintertime. All right. So it, in the springtime, they will usually wake up uh, and when the snow is melting, when temperatures above 32 to 40 degrees approximately, that's when they start coming out. And they are going to be out until it's pretty much March to November that they are out. Okay. They're active in stronger times than others. The spring is the worst time because, uh, because it's kind of like hungry. a bear. They're super hungry. Uh, right? They're yeah. hungry. Oh, you bet. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a, the most important time to, to watch for them and to prepare for them and to uh, you know protect yourself from them. So we, we were talking it's about the they, south too. I mean, the south is different yeah, than the northeast and the the mid the upper Midwest anyway. Like how is the south correct. different? Are you pretty much in danger in the south? constantly is it a 12 month uh cycle yeah it is uh, they, they they do uh they they can be out they see it's pretty much temperature related so uh in the, in the south you know you know you know louisiana alabama georgia and, and some south carolina of course florida area uh they can be out but they are out a lot less in the winter time a lot less because I work with a lot of companies down there, you know, that have outdoor workers like you know power companies okay. uh, that uh, help help supply them with stuff to repellents. So they say that in the wintertime they're out a lot less, but they still can be out. So, uh, so, so you brought up a good point. It's more tied to temperature. So if you have a really warm December, they could be out. If you have a cold December, they're probably not. Is is it that kind of what I'm hearing in the South anyway? Yeah. Yeah. And they can be out. I I figure about thirty two degrees, thirty two to forty is approximately time when they come and go. Okay, interesting. And so another question yeah. I had for you, and I, I think I mentioned to you when we were swapping emails, I got Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and it crushed me. And uh, for, oh, for any of the I listeners know. that have never had a tick borne illness and maybe not had Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain, I mean it is legit. I went to the hospital. I spent two days in the hospital. It took me three months to recover from it. I mean it was. Uh, you know, I'm not kidding when I say probably the biggest danger we face out in the wilderness is probably ticks and not, the, you know, the, the black bear that people fear uh, consistently. But um, curious to get your take on what the major tick-borne illnesses are and what is most common. Um, and I, I don't know if it varies from East Coast to West Coast, but I'd love to hear you comment on that. It does, yeah. Now, Lyme disease it gets the most, uh, you know, popularity because it is probably the biggest problem you have anywhere between three to four hundred thousand new Lyme disease cases every year in the United States I mean that's you know uh, a lot more than breast cancer you know six times more than, than, than AIDS I mean so you have a ton of, of problems out there with Lyme disease uh, so that gets the most Rocky Mountain spot of fever is another one definitely you, know, you have tularemia Rocky, uh, tularemia uh, babesiosis or leukiosis uh, there's also one kind of down in the south. It's going to be in Appalachian, you know, on, on AP Trail there. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Virginia, the Carolinas, in the Georgia, you know, towards that part of it. It's called Alpha Gale Syndrome. First, it's, uh, first time I've ever heard of that. I know nothing about that uh, that virus. It's a virus then? Uh, Is that right? Well, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tick-borne disease. And what that's by the, the uh, little tick with a little white dot on its back. It's called a Lone Star Tick. Now, we have those around here in other parts of the country, but in that area, they have more of a problem with alpha-gal syndrome. And what that is, 
is uh, you get allergic to red meat. Really? And sometimes it's for the rest of your life. Wow, just because yeah. of a tick. A tick. If, if, because of a tick. If a tick took meat away from me, I would be crushed. I got, I got to be honest with you, oh. Brian. That would destroy me. I know. I mean, it, it can be devastating to some people. And the problem with it is that you don't even know it. Most people get it. They don't know it until they're, let's say, eating a steak or something or a hamburger or something like that. And all of a sudden, they start having a allergic, allergic reaction. Huh. Sometimes people go into anaphylactic shock. I mean, it affects people differently, you know, different people, different uh, uh, reactions. Yeah. So it can be really tough. And then it kind of goes away. And the next time you eat steak, it's going to come up. And so then uh, it takes a while for them to figure out, okay, it's, it's the, the, the meat is what I'm becoming allergic to. So hmm. I did hear one time from a guy in Virginia here just last summer, a safety director at a, at a power co-op over there company. He said that, his wife has had that, and she was starting to feel a little bit of uh, reprieve in it, I should say, a little bit of uh, you know help in, in deterring that now since she's had it for a while through acupuncture. Now, I, I want to be careful. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. So, you know, these are the things that I've heard. So normally it, it's for life that they get that, which is really a shame. I mean, it, it's really a shame. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean – not, not that any tick-borne illness is a good thing, but is what I've always heard, and this is my experience with Rocky Mountain spotted fever, you know, you're going to go to the hospital, they're going to treat you, but you're going to probably be fine from that point on. I, Lyme is different, right, because a lot of people don't catch yes. it, and it, it just buries itself in your system. It absolutely crushes you over time. Um, the, the other illness that you were talking about I'm not familiar with, but, I mean, you know, can you stack rank the ones that you do not want and the ones that you are better off with? You did a good part of it right there. I mean, Lyme it is just, I mean, people have even died from it. Uh, it. It is just so bad. I have never had it, but I had a friend of mine who almost died from it a few years ago. Uh, and that was part of the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now because of doing research is, you know, I'm, I'm, several years ago. Uh, and you're right. Uh, the Rocky Mountain spot of fever, you recovered from that. Yeah, it was not fun, but it was more of a temporary thing where Lyme is pretty much a lifelong thing. You know, it, it's going to sometimes get better. I mean, some people are just, they're, they're, they're done. I mean, uh, they haven't been able to handle it. Sometimes it takes people years in order to even uh, uh, find out what it was. Uh, I write a couple bulletins here, or a bulletin each year. Uh, last year, a year ago, I wrote a, a bulletin that I hand out to safety directors and anybody else. It's right on my website on the front page. Uh, it's called the Tick Prevention Safety Guide. It's got some really good information in there. Okay, this year I came out with another one called the Hidden Cost of Lyme Disease, exactly what we're talking about right now. And what you mean by hidden cost, you think, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the hidden cost of Lyme disease are, are numerous things. For example, Lyme is so hard to uh, uh, define sometimes. It's hard for doctors to diagnose because it's, they call it the great imitator. It imitates like fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, all kinds of different diseases that are fatigue-related, you know. Uh, so when it's really bad and really chronic, I mean, think about this. I mean, you are so weak, you can hardly do anything. Yeah. So people, the hidden costs are people miss out on their kids' soccer games. They miss out on going to different events. They maybe couldn't go to a wedding. Those are costs that you don't think about. 
not, not really a financial cost, although that is really great. could be anywhere between 10000 to hundreds of thousands that people spend on it. But it's those things. I mean, hidden costs. Another one is like uh, you lose your job because you have been so physically drained, you can't hardly function. Right. You may have, your motor your motor skills are are depleting. You may have Bell's palsy where half your face is kind of like sagging down. It may be neurological. It may you know maybe uh, brain fog. Uh, so many different things like that. Uh, can just devastate somebody. Those are the costs you don't even think about other than the financial costs, which can be very great too. And the fact that it takes sometimes five to 10 doctors, different doctors to finally diagnose it. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I will tell you when I went through my Rocky mountain spotted fever experience, they didn't know what was wrong with me. They thought I had, um, I mean, they, I was getting scans for uh, tumors and, um, everything you can think of, right? But the last thing that they really thought about was the tick-borne virus uh, situation, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I was locked down. Did you know you got bit by a tick? <sighs> you know, I suspected it, and I, you and I are going to talk about this, right? The the bullseye, the bullseye is what you got to look yeah. for, right? Well, that's mostly for Lyme. I, I tell people any. Any kind of really bad reaction. I mean, you get bit by a mosquito or, or a tick or something like that, and you may not have a bad reaction at all. Yeah. All right? If you do have a bad reaction, uh, you need to get it taken care of. That, that's the sign. I mean, yeah, you're right. You could have achy joints, flu-like symptoms. They could have a bullseye rash. They don't all have that. But some kind of bad reaction, you know, feeling bad. You know, it could be neurological. It could be motor skills. It could be numerous things. The next day, it could swell all up. Uh, people react differently. Brian, in my case, it shut my legs down. I could not walk. My fingers, wow. they went claw hammer, right? They literally locked up uh, like a claw with my fingers, just, you know, as if it gripped something, they wow. wouldn't move. Um, you know, once I got into the hospital and they, uh, you know, started pumping me with steroids, it definitely turned me around, but they didn't know what was wrong with me. And then the other thing that's interesting, which I think you should talk to the listeners about, is the fact that they will test you for you know, these tick-borne viruses when you get to the hospital, but they may not show up because the antibodies are not in your body yet and they can't find them. And so exactly, it, it, it may not be until another month, two months before they figure out what's wrong. And that was my case. And I'm, I went to multiple doctors, um, in different, you know, uh, I'm just trying like ne- neurology and just different skills and it was finally an infectious disease guy that caught it, but it was like a month and a half later before they knew what I had. So I would love to get your comments on that because that was my experience and uh, super frustrating. You know, if you're having these symptoms and you don't know what the hell's going on and you had mentioned basically that it's a great imitator. I mean, you know, can you speak to that? Because that was insanely difficult and frustrating for me when I went through it. Yeah, you are lucky that you only had Rocky Mountain spotted fever, as bad as that was, but you, you're right. What you said, alluded to before, uh, how it it's minor compared to Lyme disease. Right. It's a temporary time. It's miserable during that time, but yeah, at least you can get take care of. Uh, what I tell people so much is is uh, in the beginning, it, it's so important if you have those disease or those symptoms, you know, uh, uh, bullseye rash or any kind of bad reaction. You do, you know. Uh, achy joints, flu-like symptoms, just feeling really crappy. And if you know you got bit by a tick, that is huge because some people, like I say, don't know that. And uh, getting that taken care of and telling the doctor, say, hey, I got bit by a tick. 
and and you're right, exactly right. What you said is so often if you were to take a test in the beginning, it's so new into your system that it hasn't been entrenched in your system yet, and it will show up negative. It takes months for it to really get a good positive test if the test is even accurate at all, because so many times they're not. So uh, what I tell people is if you have those symptoms and if you feel like you know something is really wrong with that, see a doctor. Uh, in a lot of cases, tell them you know that that you had uh, got bit by a tick if you know that. And a lot of times, doctors will put somebody on, let's say, a doxycycline, which is a very common one, in the beginning in those first couple days, and that'll take care of it. All right. But the problem is when they don't know that months go on, you know, it can be really, really tough on somebody, and then they're going to be in the chronic situation, you know, because then it's really hard to get rid of. Really hard to get rid of. So, so it's super interesting you just said that. My father is a physician. Um, I was with him when I was going through the, you know, the. I was with him when my legs locked up, my fingers locked up. He immediately put me on doxycycline. So very interesting okay. that you said that. Um, the problem was that we didn't know for sure what the issue was. And at some right. point in there, my father started to think that I had, um, you know, a, a bigger issue that was not related to ticks, obviously. And, we, you know, I, of course, went through all the scans and everything. But, um, but yes, we did exactly what you said. And, yeah. um, but I didn't really turn around until they started hitting me hard with steroids. I had a nurse come to the house for an entire week. And she pumped me with steroids uh, to um, just get me to the point where I could move around. And wow. that, that, that helped me. But I was really gra- glad when you reached out because I could super relate to everything you were talking to. Um, yeah, I, I also want to say, say something here, too. So we're talking about backpackers. I mean, let's say somebody's, uh, you know, uh, where, where does the Appalachian Trail start? Is that like in Georgia or something like that? Uh, yeah. That, and it that, goes all the way to – okay. It yeah. goes all the way to Mount Katahdin, I think, in Maine. Right. My brothers live up in Maine. And uh, I, I'm just telling the backpackers, I say, if you get something, you're going along uh, a trail in some of the worst tick areas in the country. I mean, it is the worst. East Coast is absolutely, no question, the worst. Uh, upper Midwest, where I live, is second worst. So if they get bit by a tick out there and uh, they have a bad reaction to it, they need to come off the trail be a physician. I don't care if they think they you you can't you're not tough enough to beat Lyme disease. It's gonna get you. So they're gonna have to come off the trail and have that taken care of and have to go back later on. But it's not worth, you know, trying to trudge along because they're gonna, you know, uh not be healthy anyways in, in a lot of cases. So uh I, that's what I tell people backpackers, hey, if you get that out there, <laughs> you can't afford to go on anymore because uh you could have this for life. You gotta get it taken care of right away. Yeah, I mean, you're making Lyme disease, which I knew, obviously, but you're making it sound a lot worse than Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So can you can you tell the audience yeah. why? Because I, I know you're right, and I think they need to hear why. It's a bigger deal. Well, a big thing, like you were saying, even Rocky Mountain spotted fever can be treated successfully a lot better to get rid of it, where Lyme disease, uh, it, it's really hard to, to get rid of it if if it becomes chronic and that means if they don't catch it in the beginning in the first month or two and that's what can happen so often that's why it's so important to be vigilant uh do safety checks or tick checks uh frequently you know, like daily see the longer a tick is on you the more apt it is to give you some bad stuff they say about 24 hours or longer that they're on you then they could kind of puke the bad stuff in you 
So if you're doing Tic Tacs every day and you find one, you know, at the end of every day, uh, you're a lot less likely to have any problems for most ticks. Okay? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, Lyme is, is, is definitely the worst one that I have ever encountered is as far as, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's devastating. Obviously, we should talk about prevention. But before we do, I'm just curious, like, do you do much hiking? Do you do much backpacking? Like, who are the biggest at-risk groups? Because I would almost guess the hunters... Well, they're out there in the winter. Well, they're in the spring, too. Who's, no, who's, who's the biggest at risk group? That's the question. I'm trying to think of somebody who is who is any more at risk than a turkey hunter in the, in the spring or fall. Hmm. Because a turkey hunter literally sits pretty much right on the ground in the springtime of year when it's worst. And uh, they're, they're probably the most vulnerable. You know, backpackers, yeah, they can be definitely for sure vulnerable, but they're walking the trail. Think about sitting right on tick habitat, and they're crawling on you because you're in their territory, you know? So you're the hunted instead of being the hunter. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, so a question for you. Yeah. There's, a, there, there's a guy that uh, put a very good documentary together on the Appalachian Trail, um, and in one of the scenes in the movie – um, one of the guys that was through hiking lays down in a field and he gets up and he's literally got 40 or 50 of the very small, um, I guess, early stage ticks that you were talking about on his back and they're picking Probably them off. Probably the nymph ticks. Yeah, yeah, the nymph, right? right? And they're picking them off with, with tweezers. You know, what, what do you do if that happens to you? I mean, is that the answer is to get tweezers out and start plucking away? Well, is it, was it on his skin? Yeah, on his back, actually, because he yeah. laid down with no shirt on in a field. Okay. And uh, when he got up, he had 40 or some of those nymphs on him. So what, what Were did... they stuck to him, or were they still crawling? No, nah, they were stuck, I think, because they actually got tweezers off, and they were, you know, out. They, they got tweezers oh out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and they started plucking them. stuck to his back? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> he was in a field. It's kind of like what you just described with the turkey hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He was in their habitat. He was the intruder, not them, you yeah. know, because they live there. I mean, is that the but answer? Yeah, I, is that the answer? I tell people the the best way to take a tick off, I'm glad you brought that up too, because there's so many things. The best way to take a tip, tick off is with a fine tip tweezers, okay? Mm-hmm. And if they're tiny, tiny ones like that, uh, it, it's hard to really get them, you know, a handle on them, you know, so some kind of tweezers to get them off. Because when you take a tick off, you want to be kind of gentle with it because you don't want to tick off a tick, you know? You don't want to make it mad. <laughs> no pun intended, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's for sure. But, you know, you don't want to play with it. You don't want to spin it around. You don't, you don't want to put, you know, uh, uh, Vaseline on it or, or uh, fingernail polish on it. I mean, you, you just want to remove it. Pull it straight up and get that, uh, that tweezers as close to the skin as you can. And if a little bit is left in there, that's fine. You can wash it off. It'll, it'll you know, come out in a couple of days anyways. Uh, but pull it straight up, and then you can do whatever you want with it. If you want, you may you may want to save it. You may want to uh, you know take a hammer to it because I love killing ticks. I hate them all. <laughs> Who doesn't? I'm the Terminator, right? So, but yeah, if he got forty of them stuck to him, then then watch those bites then too. Uh, but yeah, that's that's funny to get. Not funny, but uh, unfortunate to get forty of them stuck to you. Holy. Man, yeah. Well, now, when you bunch. say save, though, I, I know what you're where you're going with this. You're saying save it to see if it, uh, you know, you can take it in for testing, and that you got a serious problem, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's possible because a lot of times, if you're going to have a problem, 
you're going to notice it fairly soon within a week at the most. Usually it's going to be within days, but typically it's going to be, you know, uh, a couple of days, not a, not a week, but at, at, at the most, like I can say it'd be a week. But yeah. Can you get Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever twice? Can you get Lyme twice if you've been treated and cured? Or any yes. of the other, you can. Oh yeah, you can get it again, sure. Another tick could come and get you. So it That's does, sure. it, you don't have antibodies in your body that would, uh, you think no. you've got a better chance no. the second time? Well, I've had numerous people say they've gotten uh, Lyme several different times, you know, from different ticks. Okay. And they say sometimes that Lyme actually, uh, uh, if it's been treated properly, you know, after it's been chronic and, and they're okay then, yeah. uh, they say sometimes that it kind of goes dormant in your system and another fresh bite may bring that up and manifest it all over again, hmm. you know? Okay. So, yeah, you can get you can get it more than once. Yeah, I thought I read that, so I just wanted to confirm that. But, uh, I mean, I, we've, yeah. been, we've been talking a lot about the – you know, the onslaught of it here, but you know, I know you have a ton of information about, um, essentially prevention and we should spend some time on prevention cause that's what everybody wants to hear yep. right now. So I, I know yeah. you got a my, lot of information there. So let's have it. For one thing, my website has a lot of good information on there too. When I set that up several years ago, but you, uh, you want to, you, you want to give your website a quick plug here because I'm sure we have attracted the interest of the listeners. They're probably going to go <laughs> right now and check it out. It's pretty simple. The Tick Terminator, and uh, that'll send you to it. It's kind of in contact, you know, in uh, relation with another website called uh, Lime Tick Bug Hub. But just remember, the Tick Terminator, and that'll bring you to there. That's a, that's a dot com. It's a dot com, right? Yeah, dot com. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you'll see my smiling face on the front page there with uh, some other pictures of stuff. And uh, permethrin is is a uh, what I recommend for the best prevention that you can possibly use out there against ticks. Okay. There's nothing better than permethrin. Uh, I, I am familiar. And, and you can buy clothes that have it within the clothes, right? So do you want to talk about that for a yeah. second? Yep. You can do that too. Uh, those are specially treated clothes uh, where it can last for several, you know, like 50 plus washings uh, oh, or several amazing. years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. It's already treated right in there. Uh, I happen to like the kind that you actually apply yourself because uh, then I know for sure how much I have on there. Uh, you know, some people like control. Hey, I want to know for sure, you know, and uh, that's what I like. Uh, the permethrin that I use personally and uh, uh, sell a lot of it on my website is uh, it's the only concentrate that you can get out there on the market. You can get permethrin at, you know, Stores, you know, like maybe Walmart and uh, outdoor stores, uh, and it's good for six weeks and six washes. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, but but it does. The nice thing about permethrin is not a daily application. When permethrin is sprayed on, it actually binds to the fabric, binds to the, the to the the clothes, the, your tent, or your backpack or whatever, and it kind of, and it sticks there. Uh, you can't see it. It doesn't smell. There's no odor. So hunters love it too. Uh, but it can actually go through the washing machine too numerous times and still remain effective. Now, the ones you get at in the store, they're good for, like I say, six weeks and six washes, launderings. Hmm. And then they're going to start to go out because the, the little molecules, the, the washer has uh, you know, uh, agitated those molecules so that they're kind of falling off, so you're, so you're losing protection. Because the way permethrin works is this. It's called a contact repellent. You spray it on your clothes, 
And when a tick or a chigger or some little fly like that uh, lands on it, it drives their nervous system nuts. Hmm. I mean, it feels like an electric grid to a little tick uh, or even a little fly like a mosquito or, or a black fly. I had a black fly land on my pants here a couple of years ago, and it was it was funny because on my on my thigh, of course, they were treated with permethrin. I thought to my mom, she lives in the country, and it was just crazy to to watch this black fly because it was tiptoeing around. They call it the hot feet syndrome, and if it could have talked, it would say, "What the heck did I just land on here, man? I never felt anything like this before." Hmm. And then and then it flew away. And I say, cha-ching, I won because it didn't bite me. Now, ticks are different. They're crawlers. Every step they take as they're crawling up, because they're you know, designed to crawl up, every step they take is driving their nervous system nuts. And the cool thing with permethrin, it doesn't bother us at all. Okay, it's, You don't use it on your skin. It, it's useless on your skin. It's just for clothes and gear and stuff like that. But every step they take is driving them crazy. And uh, you can actually watch them. They, they, they react to it. Uh, if they're on you for, like, say, more than a minute, a lot of times it will do them in. It may even kill them as long as repel them. Hmm. And they may fall off. So that's the cool thing about permethrin. So, uh, hey, what, what can you tell uh, us about DEET, though? A lot of people are, you know, using DEET. Um, I know it's yep. more for probably mosquitoes. What, what effectiveness does DEET have against mos- uh, the ticks? It's not bad. I rank permethrin. Permethrin is ranked number one for sure against ticks. DEET would probably be number two. Okay. The big difference here is uh, DEET is uh, a daily application, okay? And DEET works differently. It was created in 1945 for the military, uh, and the scent, the aroma, the smell of it is what uh, a mosquito, when he's flying close to somebody, their little antennas say, hey, I smell something, and that tells me there's no blood there, so the mosquito flies off. That's why it works, because of the scent and the, and the smell. So uh, uh, that's the difference. One works by the, by the scent, like DEET, and permethrin is a contact repellent. Uh, DEET on skin, permethrin on clothes, and gear is the best all-around protection you could possibly do for yourself. You, you can't do anything better than that. You have definitely inspired yep. me on the permethrin. Is, are there certain states, if like the East Coast is obviously worse than the West. I mean, I think we've established that, but... Are there certain states where you need to be super fearful of tick problems? I know the Northeast. I know Connecticut historically um, has been a, a problem area. Are there certain states that you should definitely have your red flag up for? Yeah, pretty much everything east of the Mississippi is the start. It's a good start, anyways. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so it's that widespread. <laughs> that that oh yeah. I mean that's just the beginning. I mean it. They're in all over. Uh, and funny you mentioned Connecticut because that's where Lyme disease got its name in the mid seventies. Yeah, right, right near uh, Lyme, a, Connecticut, a, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. they figured, hey, we're going to call this weird thing Lyme after the city, so that's where it got the name Lyme disease. Right. But on the west west coast, even too, uh, they're going to have them out there too. What What's kind of funny is, or not, you know, laughing funny, but uh, they've noticed them in the last couple of years along the beaches in the in the the grass. In in the beach sand, where they've been, they've been seeing ticks in that. I couldn't believe it. Hmm. Uh, you talking so about they, the, they the have West the, Coast, the West Coast of California? West Coast, yeah. Okay. Yep. Hmm. See, the the tick that gives the biggest problem is called the uh, a black legged tick, or we nickname it the deer tick. So you have the eastern black legged tick, and then you have the western black legged tick, and they both are the they look 
they're, you can tell they're cousins, they're brothers and sisters. Uh, but yeah, they, they uh, have them out there, and they have Lyme disease out there. Uh, so that's 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 a problem out there. But East Coast is worse, and uh, but every place almost nowadays that you have low-lying vegetation like grass and shrubs, uh, that's where they're going to be. And they don't they don't jump out of trees. They don't fly. They don't they don't jump. They just sit on a blade of grass. They call it questing. And our CO2, the smell of us, you know, uh, sweat and stuff like that is what they gets them going because they only after one thing in life, and that's blood, and we just don't want it to be ours. Yeah, little vampires. I'm, yeah. guess, I'm guessing the East Coast being more humid and having a lot more greenery, that's why it is a bigger problem. Is that fair because yeah, a lot they, of the Western states are drier? That could be part of it, yeah. Mm, because okay. it's funny you mention that, because uh, you know it's a perfect segue into what I'm going to say now. They definitely need moisture. Ticks are not going to be out in the middle of a, of a, you know, places really dry, you know, unless they have some kind of shade there. Hmm. Uh, they're going to be more prevalent, exactly, in a more moist environment. They're going to be more in a in a shaded area than they are in a in a sunny area. Uh, so think of moisture, think of you know ve- low lying vegetation, and things of that nature, definitely. Question for you too. I mean, I, I threw hiked the Appalachian Trail in the '90s. There, there was nobody talking about Lyme disease or uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever when I went through. And granted, there were fewer people hiking the trail in the '90s. But I mean, have we experienced an explosion? And maybe it's global warming related. But is there definitely more issues with ticks today than there was, say, 30 years ago? Yeah. No question. Uh- yeah. Oh, yeah. You think it's because uh, of global you, you warming? Can, I hate to say global warming. Maybe I'll say climate change. From this, from what I read, I'm not too up on all that kind of stuff. I'm not a big pusher of all that kind of stuff. But uh, also, we we have more rural living now. We're we're sprawling out into more uh, uh, rural areas. Okay. So we're more susceptible because we're going into their turf, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they say the the weather could definitely play a part in it. Uh, they have expanded even in, in larger areas. Like I said, when I was growing up in Lower Michigan, we didn't have any there. Now they have them there. And, and where we was had them at where, my grandparents. Where, where was that? Were you like all the way down Ohio border, Michigan, or exactly on the okay. Ohio border? Yeah. Okay. A little t- a little town called Blissfield, okay. which is I mean just ten miles from the border. Yeah, I grew up in Ohio, uh, there, so I had to, a, ask. had to ask you that. Okay, yeah, just north of Toledo. Okay. So uh, it was a farm town, and they say they have them there. I haven't lived, I haven't lived there in 45 years, but they say that uh, they have them there now. And the more in more parts of the state they have them that, that they never used to, uh, they have definitely sprawled out, caused more problems. And uh, I think just time – uh, does that too? I mean, uh, birds can. Let's say birds are migrating; they can carry them too, because you know they're pecking on the ground. They get ticks on them, and they then they migrate or they fly to some other place. The ticks are going to come with them, then they drop off. You know, then they start there again. Uh, so we're more of a uh, mobile society with, with a lot of different things. So yes, they are worse than what they uh, used to be. Never had Lyme disease problems as much nowadays. We never talked about it all those years ago. So it is uh, it, it's definitely an issue. But I also want to say, too, about permethrin. I want to get back to get so sidetracked on so many different good topics that we're talking about here because you're, 
hopefully your audience will really enjoy this, to, just to be prepared. Uh, the permethrin that I use is uh, on my website. It, it's, it's the only concentrate that you can get out there. What you get from the store is already pre-mixed for six weeks, six washes, okay? Uh, the one I use is extremely unique. The only concentrate on the market. What that means is the, is the user uh, can actually decide how long do I want this to last. They can mix a little bit in, uh, in the bottle. It comes with a bottle, and it comes with a little bottle of concentrate. You put some concentrate in the bottle. If you put a little bit in there, it can last for six weeks. You put more, it can last for nine weeks. More can last for 12, 12 weeks. A whole bunch, it can last for 24 weeks. So the cool thing about that is somebody's on a, on a long through hike for maybe a couple months. They could treat everything and be done with it one time. If they use the other stuff, they would have to come back and treat it again after about a month or so. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You can kind of pick, I'm going to be out this long. This is what I need to do. This is kind of your point, right? Exactly. Yeah. Spray it on clothes, boots. You know, boots, socks, uh, uh, pants, uh, shirts, uh, on your tent, backpack, outer stuff like that. You don't want to put it inside your sleeping bag. Uh, yeah, that, that but, might get sounds like it might get a little gnarly. Yeah, but other outer outer things like that, and let it dry on there. Okay, treat all that stuff before you go, and let it dry on there. Uh, Midwest backpacker uh, from Minnesota did a great video on it. Uh, last fall, and uh, he compared it to everything else. He called it the better permethrin. He compared it to other ones that he'd seen before, and he said this is the best. And he wrote he wrote the script. I didn't even do it. I after I saw the video, I thought, oh my gosh, Jeremy, you did a great job. I didn't even write it for him. He did it all on, on his own. It was wonderful. Uh, Midwestern backpacker. So so I've wow, heard good video. I've heard for, I've you've heard many times that, that that is a great solution, right? I mean that's been out there for a while, so I know this is a legit statement. Oh, yeah. Um let let me ask you though, because I know there's some other solutions that are out there and just to give the the backpackers and hikers that listen to the sure. show some other ideas. I mean certainly you know, I don't think there's any question that that's a, a solution and you know, if it's well documented and you can find it on Google. But um can we talk about some other options like what you wear in terms of colors and gaiters and tucking your pants in and um, yeah, absolutely those those sort of All things the, and the tick check which you already mentioned but um, yeah take it from there. There's numerous things you can do like that even too. Uh, some people wear tick gaiters not that often but that's that's like a little uh, pair of hockey or I should say soccer shin guards is what they kind of look like. Those are they're treated with permethrin again. Uh, you can. If you have really long socks, I would recommend treating those with permethrin. Or you can buy socks already treated with permethrin. Uh, tucking in your, and I know it looks kind of corny and a little goofy, but tucking in your pants into your socks uh, would is kind of a deterrent too. Uh, they say light-colored clothing is, uh, well, ticks are a little more attracted to lighter colors because I think it reminds them of skin. Uh in a lot of cases, but they may be attractive for lighter clothing. Uh, but another, another thing about that is then you can see them better if they happen to get on you than yeah. in dark clothes. Right, right. So that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a double-edged sword there, so to speak, you know? Yeah, so on that um, topic, i got to ask you this quickly, Brian, because I've, sure. got a, I've got a black lab. So let's talk about animals for a minute. Oh, um, I, I, heck, I heck with my dog a lot. And I mean, if my dog is sleeping with me in the tent, that is a recipe 
for a tick hitting him and crawling onto me, right? Um, and he's black <laughs> on top of that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And then also I would like to get your opinion on um, just animals in general, how susceptible they are to problems with ticks. So can you comment on that whole, you know, that whole situation there? Dogs can definitely get Lyme disease. Uh, a big indicator of that, I mean, they're going to get them. Uh, you may not know it, but sometimes if their rear end starts swaying around, like they're losing, they can't walk very good. Uh, they say that's a real sign that they may have Lyme disease because they're not normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but but there's a lot of good stuff out there that, that people can use for, you know, chewables uh, that they can use that actually kill ticks if they bite them. Uh, but they're hard to find on a black lab of all things. You oh, know? you're not going to find them. Uh, it's not going to happen. Let's be honest, right? Oh, like, you know, you're gosh, not going to yeah. find a tick on a black lab. It's yeah. not going to happen. And then they're going to probably they're, they're probably going to come cruise over to you in the middle of the night, right? You know, after they've gotten their yeah. fill. Yeah, it's funny you would say that because my mom and dad, you know, live in the country, and uh, when they had a dog, that their dog would, you know run around in the woods and get ticks. And one day they set a record at the farm there and it was 163 ticks. They got in the dog one day, hmm. <laughs> but the dog would sleep next to their bed. And my mom, and dad said, if, if they were sleeping and they felt the tick on them, they would just drop it off and put it on the dog. And then they'd pick it up in the morning <laughs> <laughs> after it sucked all the, after it sucked everything it could. Huh? Yeah. But they'd rather have a dog than them, of course. And, uh, they would do that. <laughs> That's funny. They, they picked the dog every day, you know, pretty pretty clean it was a, it was a, a britney spaniel which uh you know kind of white and orange it was a lot easier to see ticks on them than a black lab oh yeah. man i mean so so basically though ticks can kill animals right they can kill dogs or cats or whatever that's what i'm hearing yeah they, they can uh they can cause real problems with them yeah oh it's they no can. different than humans okay so you established that so yeah. I, I guess the solution yeah. is get your flea and tick treatment for your animal obviously yeah I mean, if that happens, they're going to just drop off the tick, uh, flea, whatever. It's just going to drop off. It's not going to be a danger to you as much. Well, it depends on, on what treatment that they're getting. And I'm not an animal expert here by any means. Mm, okay. uh, I, I've, some people have told me, said they, they have chewables for their, for their dog. And a lot of times if the tick bites them, then I guess it, it tastes whatever that is inside of them. And to the tick, it kills them. So they 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 pull ticks off. They're actually dead when they pull them off. Okay, interesting. Uh, other stuff, I guess, uh, may react differently, uh, but I think that's pretty good. You know, to pull up dead ticks. Hey, hey, so so to get back to another question I had, and this this gets beyond the animals, right? But you know, we got a lot of different age groups. You got you know people in their sixties. You got young children that are you know, um, not even ten years old. You got a lot of people in between. I mean, are certain age groups more at risk, I guess, is where I'm going with this? Not really. The only difference between little kids, they may not notice it. Hmm. Uh, but ticks, ticks, man, they ain't picky. As long as it's the person's got blood, they don't care the skin color or size or whatever. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they just want a meal. But, I mean, at risk oh. for complications, right? I mean, I'm guessing if you're, you know, my parents are in their 80s. I, you know, I'm, I'm not guessing they're going to handle it as well as somebody that's super fit in their 20s or does it matter does it really well, matter because so and, and before you answer I, that let me just tell you this because when that rocky mountain hit me i was you know i mean i was fairly young i was my 30s right and it crushed me so does it really matter what age you are if if you get struck down 
here's the thing, and, and I'm not a doctor here again, but I know that a, a very large part of battling Lyme disease, especially when it's chronic, is having a strong immune system, okay? Uh, so I think that, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like the younger a person is, the more the stronger their immune system is as we age. It, it starts to wane a little bit. Yeah, that's Does fair. that make sense? Yeah, that's totally, that's totally so, fair. That's a great answer, actually. So that's what I would kind of base that on. I know I've had my little niece who was just a couple of years ago. She was probably like three or four. And uh, she got bit by a tick out by my mom's house. And uh, her mom, her mother told me that she had, was saw pictures of it. A whole bunch of little circles all over her body. Not just one spot, all over her body. And uh, that was their sign. And it was like a whole bunch of bullseyes, you know, all over this tiny little girl, you know. So, uh, yeah. So, so back to the bullseye, you want to talk about the bullseye? Cause if you see a bullseye, what do you need to be doing? Because that is, oh uh, my God. I've always heard that say that's, that's a warning sign, right? That is for sure. You get a bullseye and you for sure got a problem. Uh, I've never heard of a bullseye without a problem. Uh, but you don't always get a bullseye, you know, with Lyme. Uh, and they say about half the cases, maybe have a bullseye. So, uh, yeah, you see one of those and, uh, you don't want to say, oh, I think I'll go to a doctor. No, you go to a doctor and show them that. And if they don't put you on probably doxycycline, go to another doctor. Uh, nowadays, it, it seems like more doctors, a lot better now than what it used to be 30 years ago. Uh, they're a lot more aware of it. It's probably had more cases of it, you know, more patients with it. So they are seeing it more. So they, they will treat symptoms now in a lot of cases, to avoid a positive test result months down the road. So, yeah, bullseye rash, oh, my gosh, yeah, uh, see somebody here within several days. Hey, so, sure. Brian, Brian, I know you, you have way more experience at this than me, right? Um, and w- one thing that I, I got to go back to is that I got on doxycycline immediately because I was lucky to have a father as a physician, and it still kicked my ass. So what happens yeah. to you? What happens to you if you don't get on doxycycline early? That's a problem. You get worse and worse, and it's going to vary. Those those uh, symptoms are going to vary on person to person. You have the uh, neurology, neurological issues sometimes, uh, joint issues, uh, motor skill issues, uh, just fatigue issues. And sometimes people have almost all those combined at the same time. Uh, the, the just fa- such a weak. The fatigue was the, the hardest part for me, right? And that gets back to what you were I'm saying sure, earlier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, know, you just yeah. can't do anything. You're worthless. But, oh, I know. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine who got that several years ago. It was one, one of my motivating factors here. He said, Brian, I was so weak, I couldn't even open a bottle of water. I mean, those are his exact words. Yeah, I know. And I know exactly with what he's built. talking about. I know exactly what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. So so often it's it's uh, doing daily tick checks. You know, uh, treating your your clothes stuff like that. That's the best prevention you can do. Uh, being vigilant about you know uh, doing tick checks, and if you have an issue, uh, don't ignore it. Uh, not, but I, I also want, want to scare everybody. Sometimes you get tick bites. And you never have a problem with them. Yeah, agreed. Not everybody gets has a problem when they get bit by a tick. I've gotten bit by a tick last few years. My wife has. And uh, we haven't had any problem with it. I, I mean, I, I watch it like a hawk, of course, you know, and all my 
friends and and uh, family, I've harped on. I say harp on them. I've <laughs> talked to them about it. To just awareness, you know. I'm so, glad uh, you said that because it's it's easy to preach doom and gloom, but there's what you know. How many people go into the outdoors every year? I mean, it's millions of people, right? And they they do fine. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think we it's fair to we say. can't stay inside. Yeah, yeah. We can't Agreed. stay inside, live in a plastic bubble. No, totally. we still got to be out there, but just yeah. just do it a little cautiously, you know. Uh, prepare for it. And I'm all about. I call myself a tick and Lyme disease prevention specialist. I'm all about prevention. Yeah, I'm glad you so. said that though. I think it's important for people to not go nuts on the fear and like just be smart about what they're doing while while they're out there. Do you hike and backpack much, by the way? I haven't in, in, in uh, several years now. Last time I did it was with, with, with my son. I've done, uh, let's see, up here in Upper, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, I've done the, uh, the Porcupine Mountains. Uh, I also did Isle Royal one time. Oh, that's very awesome. unique. That's super cool. I've been there myself. Let I me tell it. you, that was really, man, that was a tough hike because oh, it was yeah. uh, so rocky. I know. Uh, Not a lot of now, elevation change. Not a lot of elevation change, but it's legit. I mean, you work pretty hard to get where you're going, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. And both of us fell at least once, you know, with our backs. All I'm right. sure that's not uncommon for backpacks. You see some moose? And I, this was in about, oh, three, about 20 years ago. I can't believe I'm saying that already. Okay. Uh, and the moose population at that time was way down. Mm. Uh, that means the wolf population be- was up, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I remember we, we uh, set off from the Keweenaw Peninsula up uh, Copper Harbor, and uh, we took a boat over there to it. It was a good father and son time, you know. Yeah. And awesome. on the on the on the way over there, the Lake Superior is just beautiful. On the way back, there was like eight foot of swell. Oh yeah, and, it can uh, change quickly, right? Oh my gosh, yeah, people yeah. were puking off oh, the back. That was and, my uh, buddy. My, I, we came back. My buddy threw up. The for three hours he threw up. I know what you're saying. Oh. I know. My son and I, neither of us did, but, but both of us were just right on the verge, ready to walk back there anytime, you know, but yeah. but we, we made it through. Yeah. So it was fun. That's a great place, by the way. For any of the backpackers listening, I mean, I can't recommend um, that area enough. Isle Royale. Is it Isle Royale? Isle Royale? Isle Royale. Isle Royale. Okay. okay. Yep. Yeah. Very, very unique place. Very unique. Yeah, incredible. Um. Hey, so a quick question for you, because I know some guys that do the kind of ultra marathon, so they're running through the same woods that a hiker, backpacker, hunter would go through. Are they moving too fast to get ticks? Or that's not no. the case? It doesn't matter. No, joggers, it doesn't matter how fast you're going. Joggers can get them to you. Okay. Yep. Joggers can definitely get them too. If I was them, I would probably uh, try to stay away from the grass. Hmm. Uh, maybe wear knee-high socks. Okay. And and uh, treat them with permethrin. Yeah. Uh I don't know what they wear. Maybe it's ankle socks or whatever, but that's probably what I would do is wear really high socks Okay. to keep, uh, keep them off. Gotcha. And I know and then, you... Then, de- then DEET on the rest of my skin. Yeah, so you're okay with DEET. All right, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So I know you work with a lot yes. of groups. I think you do some work with the military. Um, you know, just... No, I don't No, I don't work with the military. No military. Um, no. T- t- well, I guess here's the question I'm really trying to ask you. Are there other groups beyond hikers and backpackers, maybe ultra marathon runners, that should be super tuned in to um, the tick situation? Hunters, we already discussed. Anybody else? 
of basically it's people who go through the woods okay. for whatever That's reason. Fair. All right. I mean, this spring you got people out there looking, uh, hiking around for looking for mushrooms. Hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah. Think about that. You got, and they don't even think about that. Uh, about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's tick season, and they probably didn't dawn them. Then they come home, and, and they have them on them. You know. Uh, here's something else to think about though too. If somebody is out there like that, and they come home and they they find a tick on them, and they do they did not treat their clothes. Here's what you do. You take those clothes and you throw them in the dryer on high for about 15 minutes. The dryer. Okay. And that will the dryness and the heat will kill them. Then put them in a washer. Because if you find one tick on you on your pants or your shirt, chances are there's probably another one someplace, but you just didn't notice it yet. Yeah. Another question for you, Brian, is the the big cities, right? So I live in Metro Atlanta. Um, you know, there's tons of big cities on the East Coast. If you're in a metro area and you're just in your backyard gardening or something like that, and I'm talking like a metro area, two, three million, it, is there enough pollution that you don't have to worry about ticks? <laughs> I guess that's where I'm going. <laughs> no, no. Ticks are no. still there. Uh, yeah, they're going to be probably less there because there's less vegetation because they, they need to be on, you know, like knee-high vegetation, like taller grass. Mm. Uh, but but gardeners, yeah. My my mom lives in the country. Uh, she's a gardener, uh, less now than what she used to because of her age. Yeah. But definitely gardeners. Uh, I just sold some to somebody in upstate New York, a, a little old lady that was uh, a gardener, and she said, yeah, she gets ticks sometimes, and that's that, that's important to uh, prepare even for gardeners. Okay. So you never know where they're going to be. So big city gardeners, less less of an issue. Uh, country gardeners, yeah. you got to be on your game. Correct. That's, okay. I, that's a good way to put it like that, yeah. All right. I like it, man. So, um, you know, you've given us some good information. I'm going to give you a chance to plug your website one more time. The Tick Terminator, Brian Anderson. Let's hear it. What's your website again? The, that's right right there, thetickterminator.com. Uh, it's got a lot of great information on there about all kinds of different things, a lot of stuff we just talked about. Uh, so it's a good reference to go to. That's kind of how I designed it. Uh, it you know, I got some products on there too, just a little bit of permethrin and DEET. That's about it. But a lot of good information on there too. So, and uh, on the front, on the, say on the front page, don't forget to uh, download the tick prevention safety guide and the uh, hidden cost of Lyme disease. It's just some good information on there that I designed for safety directors at uh, power companies, but it's for anybody. It's some great information on there. Hey, man. So you're obviously super passionate about this. So I just got to ask you, it's sort of as a closing question. I mean, what, what drove the passion? Like, did you, did you have family members that uh, suffered severely from this, or like what, what got you into it? It was probably about ten years ago that I was kind of have a renewed interest in ticks for whatever reason. I think I think uh, my wife just hates them, of course, and she has long dark hair that uh, she's afraid to get them in her in her in her scalp because you can't hardly see them. Uh, so I started playing with them. I would bring them in the house <laughs> in the basement. I actually literally right. And with, with the grandkids, and we kind of play with them, trying to decide, you know, or try to figure out what they like and what they don't like, you know, smells they like and smells they don't like. I was taking baking soda down there and see how they'd react to that. Anything else I could find under the kitchen sink. Uh, just trying to learn about them because I'd like to think, okay, if I bring them in the house, how do I get them out? Is there something that I can, you know, create that was chocolate to them so they get them off of me. But guess what I found? Nothing. There's nothing they like more than blood. Uh, 
And then about the same time doing all the experiments, my buddy started having a really, really bad time with Lyme disease. And then I bumped into permethrin. And then I thought, wow, there's all this information about Lyme disease, but hardly anything about prevention. So then I started to do, uh, just for the fun, little radio shows here and little TV, outdoor TV shows. And I never dreamed I'd be doing this today, you know, five, six years ago at all. Hey, so, uh, so just for the record, you created a lab in your own house of little vampire ticks. <laughs> you, did you did I hear you right? Great. Well, yeah, I was I was experimenting with it. I mean, literally, get this. I'm not I'm not kidding, Steve. I literally a couple times have bought and paid for ticks. Seriously, in in winter, I, I buy them from uh, Oklahoma State University. They 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 raise ticks there and do experiments with them under research. Wow. And I spent about about thirty six bucks for maybe a half a dozen of them. Most of that was in shipping. Holy crap! Uh, so I could play with them in the winter. Who buys ticks? Other than the tick terminator, I gotta tell you, I, there was—I never in a million years thought that was a business. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm the only one that does it in the country. Wow. The tick terminator, I, you know, as a and work with safety directors and you know people like you and trying to bring awareness and then I work with a great manufacturer of that permethrin. Uh, so it's it, it's fun. Brian, I gotta tell you, having been through what I went through, I appreciate your work because it was torture. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure any advice that you can give to the hiking and backpacking community is, uh, I'm sure going to be well received. So thank you for being on the well, show tonight. I got a poem that I can end with. Yeah. Let's that's hear good it. advice. Let's bring Here's it. Here's how the poem goes. Okay. I hate them little suckers. I want to terminate them all. So I do a permethrin and love to watch them fall from head to toe. I spray this stuff, my shoe, socks, clothes, and hats. Cause it works on more than ticks like Skeeter's chiggers, and even gnats. So I ask you, if you're listening, to keep away from Lyme, get started with permethrin, and now is the perfect time. Thank you. Hey, well said. Brian, been a, <laughs> been a pleasure, man. I'm glad you could uh, make the show, and uh, believe me, I uh, I support your efforts, having been there. Great. Thanks for having me, Steve. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Absolutely. You've been listening to the N2 Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to the show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also stream shows directly from n2backpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music from the show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. The show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at n2backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number 2, backpacking.com.